Hi, my name is Mark Iskowitz. I'm editor-at-large for MMM, and I'm super excited to be part of today's sponsored podcast with Frisia. Here with me today is David Lenetsky, SVP of Life Sciences. David, thanks so much for joining us here today. Uh, hi, Mark. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, why don't you tell us about Frisia and your involvement with the business? Sure, I'd love to. I think most of the listeners on the call today probably know Frisia as a, as a media company, a point-of-care media company. Um, but maybe what some of them don't know is the context of that. Frisia has been around since 2005, uh, and we're a technology provider to, to doctor's offices, right? So we provide a lot of software solutions to handle many of the operational and clinical tasks that have to happen to facilitate patient visits. So we tend to talk about that as, as patient intake, but it includes all kinds of different tasks at the office. So registration and collecting clinical information and payments. And we provide a lot of um, tools for both patients and for practice staff to be able to create better healthcare experiences. And as part of that, um, we're very privileged to allow our life sciences clients and our agency clients to be able to engage with patients as part of that intake to their doctor's office or to their visits. So we have this unique uh, position that we sit in to engage with patients in a very sort of targeted and personalized way. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. And uh, I see just you know from your background that you're uh, a mathematically minded person, quite a background there academically. Um, so I know you're comfortable with the quantitative end of things, um, and our audience loves data, so uh, feel free to share as many data points as you like, but why don't you take us through your professional history a little bit, as well as the history of uh, Frisia? Sure, I'd love to. Um, that's right. I, I certainly have come from an academic and math background. Um, before Frisia, I was involved in an academic career. I was training to be a mathematician. I was working on a PhD in math and, and teaching mathematics. Um, and back in 2005, when the company was founded, I, I knew one of the founders and I took what I thought was going to be a summer job. And I, you know, I worked early, very early on. I was using those mathematical skills. I helped design our earliest uh, targeting algorithms to be able to identify the right audiences for our advertisers. Um, and so, you know, that was our, the sort of the original business model of Frisia. We've been doing this kind of patient engagement back uh, since 2005, 2006. Um, the company has obviously grown tremendously since then. Um, I joined full-time back in 2008 and uh, abandoned those dreams of an academic career. I was really enjoying and be had become passionate about working in healthcare. Um, and it was just uh, amazing to see the difference that we could, we could make in patients' lives. And so um, that was inspiring. And I, I made that decision in 2008 and never looked back. Um, the company has you know, grown tremendously since then. We went public in 2019. Uh, we're now a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange. So that was incredibly exciting to see Frisia go from, I think the first day I showed up at the office, uh, it was the two founders in a one bedroom apartment. And today, you know, it is a, a fairly a big company with you know, over a thousand employees spread across the country and even multiple countries. And so it's been really exciting to watch that growth and progression. I'll bet. Wow. You were really there from nearly day one. And, uh, you know, how has the last year been for you all? And um, how has Frisia weathered the events of the past year? Um, the last year has been, um, you know, incredibly interesting and important for Frisia. I think we, um, as a provider of digital solutions, I think that the, the pandemic and specifically the lockdowns immediately crystallized the value of a lot of our products for, for a lot of providers, right? There was this incredible need all of a sudden 
to be able to communicate with patients through digital channels, right? In, in a way that just didn't exist before the pandemic, right? And, um, and so it was incredibly impactful on the business. We were able to transition very smoothly to remote work. We had already been a largely distributed company for years. And so that transition was, I would say, relatively smooth and easy for us. I mean, of course, it comes with a lot of challenges and and um, you know, a lot of folks have, have really struggled with balancing work and life and, and family, but, um, but the company has, uh, has really prospered and grown. There was a, a lot of demand for our products and so the network grew tremendously over the last year. And the, in terms of our ability to engage with patients, that also really was able to shine over the last year because you, know, you had uh, a lot of different channels, a lot of different tactics really focused on being physically present in the same space as the patient, whereas Freesia has always focused on digital communications with patient. And so um, to a large extent, our ability to engage with patients didn't change at all with any of the changes wrought by the pandemic. And so we were able to really smoothly transition into these new ways of delivering care and these new types of workflows that providers were adopting. And, and so, um, and we were able to really support our providers through this. So that was really our focus for, for many months was, how did we um, pivot a little bit and adapt our technologies to really help providers continue to see patients and to treat them and keep everybody safe, both patients and staff and, and, and doctors themselves? Sure, sure. Uh, so that's really interesting that the kind of the value proposition for Freesia's products really was, as you said, crystallized mm -hmm. over the past year. Um, and you know, we're, we're talking about you know, changes in the patient experience here and Freesia really is a patient experience company, one could say, you know, you're right at the point of care, you're using your technology to help medical groups and health systems optimize that patient intake process, as you mentioned. Um, so you're right there in the thick of it. How have patients' preferences and expectations changed since the pandemic began? Mark, that's a great question. I think we've seen a lot of changes. I mean, we're incredibly privileged at Freesia to get to interact directly with patients all the time, right? Tens of millions of patients a year. And um, we really try and use every one of those opportunities to learn from patients. So we do a lot of survey work uh, and we've been surveying patients about their preferences for a long time. We've surveyed tens of thousands of, of patients specifically on, on this question, both before the pandemic and during the pandemic. So we really had a sense of how those have changed. And we've seen a few themes emerge from, from those surveys and from that research work. Um, early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of change around expectations uh, for safety, right? So in, especially in those first months when we all went into lockdown, um, patients expected to spend less or no time in, in communal spaces, right? So the waiting room was a place, uh, was felt to be a place of danger. P patients really expected to be safe. And so they wanted to spend less or, or no time there. Um, and so we saw a lot of adaptation to that. We saw um, um, a lot of increased sensitivity about uh, communal surfaces, right? And physical objects, right? Early on, if you, you'll recall, we did not know how the virus was spreading. There was tremendous fear about about surfaces. And I think to some extent that has abated a little bit, right? We now have a better understanding of how COVID spreads, but I think that, that some of that sensitivity, some of that expectation around not touching um, communal surfaces has, has persisted to some extent. So that's you know, one area that immediately emerged, um, but generally speaking, we have seen a, an increased focus on health and wellness. I think that's part of a, a longer term trend 
but specifically we've seen an increase in the use of digital devices and apps to track people's health. Um, so in a recent survey that we ran, uh, we saw that nearly a third of patients were using some form of digital app to track their health. Um, so really a large proportion of patients. And when we asked them, half of them said that they'd started doing it over the last year. So we saw a tremendous spike in recent times in, in that kind of technology use. Um, and then another really important trend for us has been that patients really have started to value ease of communication with their providers. Um, so this is uh, part of a larger focus, I would say, on convenience and flexibility in general, which patients have really come to expect. Uh, but this in includes things like communicating with uh, practice staff, um, follow-up communications from providers after visits, um, you know, checking in prior to visits, making appointments online, sort of all of the various ways that we interact with our medical groups and health systems. Uh, patients are looking for more convenient ways to do that. And I think this is an area where healthcare has really lagged um, over under other industries over the years, right? So we've seen these kinds of digital tools and ability to communicate and engage um, really grow in other industries. So you name it, I mean, banking and transportation and leisure and, and hospitality um, have seen tremendous advances over the years. And I think we're starting to see the same kind of expectations come to, to patients as general consumers have had. Um, and, and then the, finally, I you know, one last point, Overall, patient preferences for, and I would say their comfort with digital communication has just skyrocketed, right? So a much higher proportion of patients are using email and text and two-way chat to communicate with their HCPs, um, with their practices. And not only that, but they're reporting that they prefer these channels of communication, right? That these are much more convenient. These are much more flexible. Um, and it's across the board, right? So we sort of expect um, many consumers, particularly younger consumers to be engaging in this way. But I think one of the things that is surprising that we get asked about all the time is what about the older patients? And we've seen very similar trends for patients 65 or older. Their comfort with digital communication and mobile health apps has also increased tremendously. And I think we've seen it in our surveys double over the last year. Wow, fascinating. Thanks for running through those trends you can really see those expectations in all those different areas really jumping and uh, you know, their digital uh, communications and their digital uh, habits really, you know, moving more toward, you know, a more looking more like a consumer um, mm -hmm. every day. What types of changes have practices put in place to meet those expectations? I mean, you know, I'll say more, more about this. Um, I, I've already touched on it, but a lot of it has to do with implementing digital tools, right? So um, tools like Freesia, many other tools like Freesia out there in the marketplace, um, but tremendous changes over the last year, right? So early on, we saw a huge demand for things like COVID screening. So the early changes were about how do we continue to operate in this new environment? How do we continue to treat patients safely? So being able to screen patients before a visit became very, very important. Being able to check them in, direct them to the right place, set expectations for the visit, let them know what to expect when they show up. Should they come into the waiting room? Should they check in from their car or outside and, and things like that? So we saw uh, a lot of that, of that sort of technology. And generally speaking, you know, these types of zero contact or low contact intake solutions that, that we started to offer. And, and you've experienced in all kinds of businesses, not just medical groups. 
Um, but you know, just generally text and chat communication have been really, really important, right? So making it very easy to communicate with patients and, and during and after visits. Um, all of the tasks that historically um, have had to happen for a, for a interaction between a patient and a provider, they used to be done in the waiting room, right? By staff or by patients with, with pen and paper. So things like filling out your forms or consents, your clinical history, um, showing your insurance card, doing a payment, all those things were done sort of in person and maybe took time and were redone every time you visited. So all of those things are now moving to, to digital tools, right? So you can fill out your forms, your consents, your, your clinical history. You can do it all on your phone. You can do it before you get to the office. It's very similar to what you've experienced everywhere else. You know, my colleague, Dr. Hillary Hatch, our chief clinical officer, she really likes to uh, use the example of checking in for a flight, right? So Mark, I'm sure you've you've done this before. You probably remember the first time you checked in for a flight on your phone and showed up at the airport and went straight to the security line. Um, it's it's a it's a, just a better experience, right? And um, it's one that um, we're starting to replicate in, in healthcare. That's a great analogy. I, mean, I remember the first time checking in, you know, on the cab to the airport, and it just <clears throat> removes so much so much of the sort of um, unknowns and guesswork from the whole mm -hmm. process. You know, it, it takes away a lot of the uh, anxiety, but just from a practical standpoint, when you arrive, it just, it's, it's gonna, you know, save time for you. Um, and, and mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had that for so long in these other industries, like you mentioned, hospitality and, and travel. When, when you're waiting in line for the restaurant, you know, they buzz you on the buzzer uh, as you're walking through the mall, you know, um, once upon a time. Yeah. It's obvious that some of these things can really uh, consumerize the whole experience. But, you know, you know, put another way, do you think healthcare is doing a, a better job of emulating non-healthcare companies and treating patients more like consumers? Um, I'm trying to make that question sound as, as non-obvious as I can, but I mean, it, obviously the answer is yes, but like, a, is, is there more of a nuanced, um, you know, way of, of coming at that question? You know, how, how has that sort of technology helped you know, create that more patient-centric experience, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think you're right. Obviously, it is happening, right? We see it happening. We've all probably been to the doctor in the last year and seen the changes ourselves. So it is happening. But healthcare, in many ways, is just more complex than a lot of other consumer industries, right? So these changes are a little bit slower and they're a little bit harder, right? And and um, but we we are absolutely seeing them happen. You know, one of the um, technologies that has been getting a lot of attention that I, I didn't uh, mention was telehealth, right? So we've seen uh, also tremendous, tremendous adoption of telehealth in, in regular practices, which is not something that we saw before the pandemic at all, right? So telehealth existed, but it existed in another form, right? So it was offered by health plans. It was offered by employer-sponsored plans, and it was done by specialized providers like, like Teladoc and in similar companies, but it wasn't offered by, you know, your primary care provider. So you could maybe go onto one of those services and get an urgent care visit with a provider you had never met, but you couldn't have a telehealth visit with your, your doctor. And that has really changed dramatically, right? So in those early months, we saw just incredible adoption of these technologies in so many different kinds of practices, right? So, you know, when we looked at it, I mean, effectively, when we looked at the Frisia network, and this is data that we've reported on uh, publicly with the Commonwealth Fund and with Harvard, um, but we saw essentially zero use of telehealth in regular practices before the pandemic. 
And then by April, you know, something like 25% of visits were happening virtually via telemedicine, right? And, and in terms of practices, when we looked at our practices, only 5% of our practices were using telehealth before the pandemic. And even those ones, it was just little pilots sort of in larger, larger systems. So it was effectively zero. When we look at it today, when we look at it throughout the pandemic, over 60% of practices have now implemented some kind of telehealth solution, right? And so, you know, that has been incredibly impactful, incredibly convenient. So we see telemedicine visits, there's, there's not as many of them as there was in April. It's a sort of percentage of all visits, right? So that's receded. It's less than 10% of visits today. Of course, that varies really widely by specialty. So things like behavioral health could be as many as half of visits. You know, in more surgical specialties, it's a much lower percentage, but, you know, say 10% of visits overall, but that's because what's happened is this process of refinement, right? So patients and providers have figured out that it works really, really well, and it's very convenient for certain types of visits. Um, and so what we see is this continued process of more practices, uh, you know, using it because it is a convenient way to deliver care, but really refining the ways that they use it. And, and you know, to, to sort of answer your question more directly, it, all of these technologies are incredibly patient-centric in nature, right? They're, they're all about sort of creating better experiences for a patient. So removing friction, uh, removing barriers for patients, right? So the more that we can do that, the easier you make it to receive care, right? And the more likely people are to do it, and ultimately the better the outcomes become, right? So convenience is, is really a, a, a sort of a general way of talking about this, but really it's about taking each of those little tasks that used to be difficult, that might've been a small barrier for us to, to, to receiving care and removing it. So whether that's replacing a phone call to schedule a visit with being able to self-schedule online, or whether that's being able to check in from a cab or from home before you get to the, the office, or whether it's you know, automatically having your insurance verified, or whether it's doing an appointment you know, from home. There's all of these uh, times and moments when it can be very, very hard for a patient to come in for a visit. So some of the examples we've seen are like post-surgical and post-natal follow-ups, right? So it's really inconvenient and hard for a patient who may have limited mobility even to then go in for one of those visits and what we've seen is it's incredibly convenient and, and incredibly effective to do those things via telehealth. So we see a huge, huge proliferation of those technologies, and they're really focused on improving those patient experiences. And then I think, Mark, as you said, you know, these, these aren't sort of new ideas. These are expectations we've all developed throughout our lives in other industries. And so now that we are expecting the same in healthcare, it's become incredibly important for healthcare providers and practices to provide those experiences, right? I mean, if they want to retain patients, if they want to, you know, patient satisfaction is more important. So if they're focused on that, if they just want to improve outcomes, right? All of these things are, are incredibly important. And I think we'll continue to see them um, grow really in, in, in these ways. Right, right. You said, you know, convenience really is like the proxy, but you could see these things leading to increasing the chances of, of patients receiving better care, you know, sticking with their regimen, being more inherent, more persistent over time, and getting better outcomes, hopefully. And I'm sure there'll be, you know, a wave of studies uh, mm -hmm. that, that will measure that. 
you know, segueing toward uh, the future. So to what extent do you think these changes will persist after the pandemic? And I, I think I know what you're going to say there, but, you know, give us your prediction a little bit too. Like, you know, what other improvements do you expect to come down the pike? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know exactly what I'm going to say, which is that these these changes are are certainly here to stay. Going back to the airline example, I, could you imagine if tomorrow, you know, Delta said, we're getting rid of the app, you've got to come and line up at the check-in desk when you get to the airport. I mean, you know, <laughs> flyers would, would, uh, would revolt, I'm sure. Um, I would certainly change airlines. I mean, I think the same is true for practices. I mean, once you've experienced this, it is hard to imagine going back to the older experiences, right? And so I think because expectations have really shifted um, and it, they're, they're likely to persist, but not just that, there's value in this for providers, right? So providers are increasing their capacity to treat patients by using tools like telehealth. A lot of these tasks were incredibly expensive uh, to do before and time consuming, right? So by, by taking technology and making them more efficient, more of the resources of a practice can be dedicated to care, right? And that's really, I think, where they, where they ought to be focused, right? On delivering the best care. So let's take the operational stuff, let's take this other stuff and make it more efficient and have more care, better care be delivered. And so, yeah, I think absolutely, you know, these changes, not only will they persist, but we'll see them continue, right? So we'll see a continued focus on better experiences and more consumer-friendly and patient-centric experiences. I think that you know, there's lots of areas. I can, I can certainly talk about some of the areas that Freesia is focused on. There's many of these tasks. So today, the ones I've talked about have largely been focused on a single office and the experience of going there and receiving care or, or talking to them virtually. Um, but a lot of coordination has to happen with, with complex illness, right? So oftentimes, maybe you go to a PCP and you get referred to a specialist. And there, again, so there's all kinds of issues. I mean, most of those are still done with a fax or, or some other process and there's little follow-up with patients. So one of the areas we're focused on is making that referrals process a lot better, those handoffs a lot better. We're also focused on using these technologies to just better understand patient populations and deal with some of the issues of health equity, right? So we do a lot of social determinants of health screening for our practices to help them understand um, what kind of barriers exist in their populations? How do we help those patients? How do we connect them to the right resources? I mean, th these are great moments to be able to uncover those types of barriers and, and to connect patients with services that they might need and benefit from. Um, and so I think we'll continue to see um, more and more of the tasks that happen in healthcare be mediated by these digital technologies. So like referrals, like social determinants of health screening. And, you know, I think all kinds of other more and more, more, more things that are clinical in nature. So helping patients get on and stay on therapy. I think you mentioned that the areas that we're focused on as well. Um, and just removing those points of friction and barriers that might stop patients from progressing in their patient journeys towards health. Sure, sure. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the events of the last 12 months have really emboldened the uh, in industry to uh, really address um, all those tasks that you said have been, you know, points of friction in, in the past. Um, 
and uh, there's a new energy, you know, to to make make things better, which is which is great to see for sure. Um, just you know, one last question. I'll let you, let you go, uh, David. Uh, what are some of the major implications of all this for healthcare marketers? You know, that's uh, we know that you know marketing a drug anymore is not just about you know commercialization, you know, but you know any way that a drug is going to be you know paid for or dispensed, utilized. You know, downstream, you know, is really in the in the marketer's bailiwick these days. And given all these changes on the healthcare landscape, it really has a lot of implications for them. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. There is um, a lot of implications for for marketers, but also a lot of opportunity for them. And you know, I think it's important for marketers to remember. And be aware that the, the point of care itself has changed. It has really grown beyond the traditional sort of four physical walls of the office, right? So you see this really broad adoption of these new digital platforms in provider offices, right? So platforms and tools like Freesia and all kinds of other tools, those mean that patients are using digital channels to now engage with their providers. And that's creating millions and millions of touch points between patients and providers, right? And these communications, right? And this has always been the case that those interactions at the point of care, those are really, really critical ones, right? So these are moments when people are actively engaging in care or thinking about their health. These are the inflection points too, right? So this is when patients get diagnosed. This is when patients maybe are initiating a therapy or changing a therapy. And so these are the really important moments, these moments of high receptivity when marketers can really have an impact, right? So we know that a patient for prior to a visit is preparing to engage in some kind of shared decision-making process with their provider. And so being there, being able to engage with that patient in those moments is just incredibly important and impactful. These new forms of interaction between patients and providers, they offer, I think, tremendous opportunity for marketers, right? So, um, you know, if you can use products like Freesia that are embedded into these workflows, then you get these privacy safe and HIPAA compliant ways of engaging with a patient and joining that conversation, right? So you can put content, tailored content in front of them. You can target your very, very specific audience that you're interested in reaching and you can make content more personalized and dynamic, right? You can really address things that are specific to that patient because there's data available, because it's part of a, a, an interaction with the provider. I think that there's a lot of opportunity to sort of think about how to make this stuff more engaging and interactive, right? So, you know, a lot of the things that used to happen at the point of care were more about just display media. They were a little bit more static in nature. But now that people are engaging with digital tools on their own devices, these things can be more interactive. So a lot of the things that maybe were pioneered on digital, you know, online can now be done in the point of care, can now be done embedded in these communications. So you can really engage patients, I think, in a way that maybe was impossible before at these most critical moments when they're, when they're really preparing for their conversations. And so, you know, I think the, the important thing is to sort of understand where, how, how the experience of receiving care is changing to understand where it's going and to be able to meet patients where they are, right? So that, that convenience that, that patients are expecting, they expect it everywhere. They wanna get their information that way. They wanna be engaged in that way. So I think that the, you know, the, the important message is to 
use these adaptable platforms, use the technologies available to you as a marketer to meet patients where they are, to put content where they want to receive it, where patients want to receive it, and engage with them in the ways that they're most interested in being engaged with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure, Make, makes a ton of sense. I mean, you know, how the experience of receiving care is changing has led to a lot of opportunity for innovation in patient engagement. Um, and, it, and in some ways, it seems like it's never been easier to meet patients where they want to be met with the right piece of content at the right time. You know, that, that whole mantra that you hear uh, sounds like things are really improving. And, uh, you know, to that end, let, let's have another conversation as we continue to hopefully put this pandemic in the rearview mirror. In, indeed. I, uh, I think we're, we seem to be on a, on a positive path and, and um, that's great. And I, I think that you nailed it. We see can just continued amazing innovation. I think it's a really exciting time to be in this industry. And um, yeah, I, uh, you know, thank you, Mark. It was, uh, it was great chatting with you and I look forward to, to having another conversation about it sometime soon. Pleasure's on mine, David. Absolutely. Okay, that was David Linetsky of Frisia, and it was a terrific conversation. Many thanks for listening. Come back soon for another one. This is Mark Iskowitz for the Inman Podcast. Take care, everybody.